Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. Oh, we've got a podcast for you. The trade deadline is looming one week away from the NBA trade deadline. Can interim general manager Joe Cronin make a move? Or will he be just Neil Olshea 2.0? Our thoughts on some reported Blazers targets and ultimately What will the Blazers do? That includes some bold predictions. Let's start the show. It is so good to be back here in the KGW studios, downtown Portland, Oregon. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Jared Cowley. Oh, it's been a minute, but it feels so good to be talking Trailblazers basketball, especially this time of the year. I know Rip City looks forward to this. It's like a low-key holiday where your dreams can come true. Jared, it is so good to see you again, man. How are things in your world? Can't complain. Things are going well. Yeah, I mean, Rip City always looks forward to the trade deadline, but I think even more so this year, when you have a bad team that you're (laughs) rooting for, you basically have like three things to look forward to. You can, you know, look forward to watching the progression of your young players Mm -hmm. and then the trade deadline and the NBA draft. Those are like your NBA finals when you're a bad team. (laughs) Those are what you get up for. And so we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm. It's been really interesting to see how many rumors have been out there. I mean, this never really happened before because you know that with Neil O'Shea, there were never any reports that leaked out of Blazers headquarters, but it's different this season. I mean, the Blazers have been mentioned in, in trade rumors for the past month. You know, they've there's been a lot of discussion about the Blazers, so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, on February 10th. Man, this has been a brutal season for so many reasons. Obviously, their 21 and 31 record, 10th place in the Western Conference. You start looking about, you know, you, at some point we've reached the tank discussion, and then the injuries kick in, just so many of them. It was nice to talk to Damian Lillard recently at the practice facility out in Tualatin, uh, just to see him doing well. He seems to be in a good place, and, you know, it seems like he'll be out for the rest of the year, but so. still haven't officially ruled that out. Um, I think the biggest thing I took away from that conversation is it at least 
just from what Dame was saying, it, it seems to me like getting this procedure done, getting the surgery done, he's going to come back at 100%, and he's mm-hmm. going to come back and be the Damian Lillard that we all remembered. So that's something to look forward to, where there has been very little on the court to look forward to this season outside of Anthony Simons, and before he unfortunately got hurt, Nasir Little, there's been mm. you know, very little to enjoy on the court this season, but I do think Dame will be back 100% next season, and that will be awesome. But for now, we have trades to look forward to. Yeah, and I, I, will, I will say – Damian Lillard seemed like a less stressed human being. Yeah. When when talking to him, you could feel the relief in finally getting that surgery done. I it really felt like a huge weight was lifted off of his shoulders in getting to talk to him for, you know, 20 30 minutes in this pretty low-key uh press conference situation where there's only a few of us locals yeah. that were there, which I thought was super dope. I agree. Now it kind of you, you you turn the page now to this Rip City holiday, so to speak, that is one week away from the time of this recording, February tenth, twenty twenty two, and the Trailblazers, you know, have some decisions to make, and I think that's the perfect place to start, Jared. You've kind of written up this beautiful outline on what we plan to to chat about, and let's dive right in, man, with with number one, and that's what do we think about couple of media reports that indicate Joe Cronin may just be Neil 2.0. Don't do we, it, man. Do we think that's possible? Uh-huh. I know we immediately cringe at that thought because we've been down this path right. for so long. But Jason Quick's report was the first one here where he talked to Yusuf Nurkic, great interview, and said that Joe Cronin, who's the interim general manager, uh, starting the day that Olshay was fired, reached out to him before – uh, Nurkic could even initiate a conversation saying, quote, Joe talked to me first, which is kind of nice, Nurkic said. When he took over, it was refreshing, he said. You are here to stay. We're going to try and improve the team as much as possible, and we're going to build around you, Dame, and CJ, and hopefully we find a way to do that, end quote. Nurkic has been around long enough to know nothing is certain in the NBA business, so he isn't banking on what Cronin told him as an assurance that he's untouchable in trade talks, Quick added. And Nurk went on to say, quote, I mean, whatever assurance in the NBA you can have, right? We always hear what we like to hear. Your reaction when you read that, Jared? You just have to wonder how reliable of a narrator Yusuf Nurkic is. Mm-hmm. Um, in this instance, I mean, for one thing, this conversation happened a while ago. For another thing, Yusuf Nurkic's name, not recently, but certainly before, has been in trade talks. So if Cronin is really saying that Nurkic is here to stay, well, Nurkic has been involved in trade talks. And so, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do think that it might be a little bit something here where Nurkic is hearing what he wants to hear. Mm-hmm. And I also think that, you know, what is Joe Cronin going to say in that situation? No, we don't want you around anymore. No, we're going to trade you. Go ahead and go pack your bags. It's just <laughs> a matter of time. I mean, he, Joe Cronin knows what he's doing. He's trying to, I mean, this organization is such a mess and was even more of a mess back then when this, you know, alleged conversation happened. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe Cronin is just kind of trying to calm things down and telling, you know, probably the most temperamental um, up and down 
emotional player on the team that we love you. <laughs> you know, we, mm-hmm. we think you're great is, is one way to do that. So I don't know. I mean, I also think it's, there's a real possibility that, that the Blazers could commit to Nurkic. Um, the bigger concern for me is if what would make Joe Cronin Neil 2.0 is if he really thinks that the best way forward is to build around Damian Lillard, which, yes, you'd build around him, but then also not just Yusuf Nurkic, but CJ McCollum. And if, if Joe Cronin thinks that's the way to go forward, then Joe Cronin is Neil 2.0, and, and I don't know what he's seeing. Mm-hmm. And I just, my impression of Joe Cronin is that he's more intelligent than that. And so I'm taking all of this with a grain of salt, but I certainly hope that that's not the Blazers' grand master plan is to <laughs> run it back. Yeah, to run it back. Yeah, and I think even in reading that quote, I think part of Nurk understands that right. as well, that from Cronin's perspective, he's trying not to rock the boat too hard. Right. And a personality like Yusuf Nurkic, I can't imagine, goes well if Joe Cronin says, uh, we're shopping you, right. but we need you to play hard. Right. I've got to imagine that would rub Nurkic the wrong way. Um because if Nurkic goes out there and just starts sulking on the court and isn't putting in maximum effort, then his trade value, which I think is already pretty low, you know, just goes down even further and makes it that much more difficult for Joe Cronin to trade Nurkic if that's what he's trying to do. Right, because all of the you know character issues or whatever that came up when he first got here um, to Portland were in question. Right, you know, you just can't have extra stuff when you're trying to get a deal done. So I think that's going to be an, an interesting storyline because that's the – when I mention the word cringe, that's where the frustration comes in is the idea that we're going to do the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That we're still going to think that Dame, CJ, and Nurk is a big three mm-hmm. when they have proven year after year after year that they are not. Mm-hmm. In terms of winning a championship. Like, you can get to the playoffs. In terms of, yeah, you, you can pretty be a, much getting out of the first round. Yeah, yeah. You know, even when they made it to the Western Conference Finals, Nurkic wasn't playing, mm-hmm. you know, and so I, I, I really hope that that's not if, – if that conversation happened, I hope that's not what Joe Cronin actually thinks. So there's one more story here that, that um, we'll bring up, and that's Mark Medina of NBA.com and his interview with Joe Cronin recently. And the yeah, question it's actually it just what, published today. Yeah, yeah, so this is fresh. And he said, what do you think of how Lillard, McCollum, and Yusuf Nurkic – have been as a trio when they've all been healthy? And the answer, he said, together, we've won a lot of games. Nurk is entering his prime. Dame and CJ are in their primes. Those are three high-level players. When we put the right pieces around them, we've shown that we can be very competitive. What do you think about that? I think this one is is much different than what Nurkic says that Cronin told him. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you just parse this piece by piece... You know, Cronin isn't saying anything that's inaccurate, and he's also not saying in that instance that this means we're going to bring them all back. You know, together they did win a lot of games. That's true. Nurk is entering his prime. He's 27. That's true. Damon CJ are in their primes. That's true. Mm-hmm. They're three high-level players. Also true. And when the right pieces were put around them, they were very competitive. And, you know, that's eye of the beholder. You know, very competitive as far as a playoff team, yes very competitive as far as contending for a championship? No. 
And what Damian Lillard has made extremely clear mm-hmm. is that what he wants to do is compete for a championship. Mm-hmm. That getting to the playoffs, you know, getting bounced in the first round, that's not enough for him anymore. And I have to believe, I just I have to believe that Joe Cronin understands that and that Dame, CJ, and Nurkic, they are three high-level players, but it is not a good combination that can that can legitimately compete for a championship. And so I do hope that uh, that what he's saying here does not mean that he's thinking he's going to run it back. When we got our first opportunity to meet Joe Cronin in this new role right. as the interim general manager, and we had a podcast, and I remember thinking or questioning whether he had the authority to truly go out and make a move. Right. I feel like I'm leaning more towards he does have the power to do so. And I'm leaning more towards the idea that he might not be Neil Olshay 2.0. We'll find out soon. But Why, why are you leaning in that direction? The reason I think that, that spelling that out will bring a lot of uh, hope to Blazers' hearts because if you've seen Blazers' Twitter today after this and after Quick's report, I think, that came out last week – they're extremely afraid that it's just going to be more of the same. And that's rightfully so. Right. And and I usually err on the side of I got to see it yeah. before I believe it. But there are clues there that make you believe that he could be the guy to make a change to the roster. And the er, the, the first moves that I've noticed now, and I, I want to say Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report, pointed this out as well. Right. Yeah. And – and it's true. It was. It's been very eye-opening within the organization how quickly they've wanted to move away from whatever the old reg- regime was internally, within uh, you know from the basketball operation side, and that impacts us as media people because we've seen an overhaul within the PR team, the people that we work with that have been there a long time. This is a whole new squad. Uh, you think about the assistant GM that he went out and, and hired, um, you know, and, Patterson, and, right? and yeah, and he made and he got it done quick. Yeah. Andre Patterson um, as the assistant GM, the changes that have come like from the scouting team, even from the medical team, like in a matter of month or two, we're now seeing a bunch of new faces. And I have to believe this is coming from Cronin. That he is now making the the moves internally first to get his ducks in a row to figure out what team he wants to surround himself with. And then I think the next assignment now, based on this deadline that we have coming up, is to work on the roster. Right. So that gives me a little bit of reason to believe that he does have the power to make some significant changes and not just play the borders and, you know work on small deals, but actually has the authority to go out and, and make something happen. So with all that said, Jared, there are reasons to believe he can, but I understand what many Blazers fans are saying today when they read those type of quotes that say, what, we're running this back with the same thing that we've done since these dudes got here. We know the results of that. So I feel you. I feel you, Rip City. <laughs> yeah, so do I. And I think that I agree with you. I think that he does. It seems like if he's firing and hiring and promoting people, then it seems like he does have the autonomy to make the decisions as the general manager. And so I think that 
obviously that should extend to to making trades even big trades i do think that it doesn't let's say the trade deadline comes next week and 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 passes and cj mccollum is still here yusuf nurkic is still here i don't think that necessarily means that they come back next season and mm-hmm. that's what blazers fans should be concerned about if you are wanting them to to move on from CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic, then yes, it will be frustrating if they're still here after the deadline. But that does not mean that, you know, it's easier to make deals during the offseason. Mm-hmm. You have more avenues available to you. There are more players available. Trades are easier to make. So just if it doesn't happen at the deadline, don't think that it's doom and gloom and they're, they're running it back. That, that It doesn't necessarily indicate that that's what's going to happen. I would like to see – it doesn't have to be the big deal because – to your point, it makes sense, especially with if we're talking a guy like C.J. McCollum, $30 million you know, a year for the next couple of years. That's a lot more difficult to move. Yeah. And so you're, you're going to need as many options as you can. I understand if the C.J. deal doesn't get done in a week, but I do want to see something. Yeah. I need to see some type of move, even if it is those fringe moves uh, in a week. I want to see at least – the effort being there. I want to hear about rumors that, that he did something. If it's just fringe moves, then I think you need to be able to see that these are the kind of fringe moves that they get that could then lead to bigger moves down the road. Right. And not just, Oh, we're getting off of Rocco and bringing back a, a lower salaried player Mm -hmm. so we can duck the tax. That's not enough. Agreed. And and so you need to see asset acquisition. (laughs) And in that case, if you're seeing, you know, some of these fringe moves happen, but they're bringing back first-round draft picks, mm-hmm. second-round draft picks. Those are the kind of assets you can use to then, down the road, make a bigger trade. Right. There is an avenue yep. to something bigger. Yep. And that's really what I'm finessing here, uh, as, as you just put so eloquently, is I want to see some draft picks, man. Yep. I, I want to I see us build up some pieces that can bring back something that, you can surround Damian Lillard and believe we have a team that not only competes but is a contender. Yeah, and that's going to take some work, man. You're going to need a, you're going to need some serious assets. And that's another thing. If you see these trades and and the players that they're getting in return are not that exciting, mm-hmm. don't get discouraged. If as long as there are draft picks in that deal, those draft picks do, that doesn't mean the Blazers are rebuilding and that they're going to you know, go draft all these young players and put a bunch of young players around Dame. Think of those draft picks as player as as assets assets that could be attached to players like CJ McCollum or players like, you know, Yusuf Nurkic or Norman Powell mm-hmm. to then go and get because what's gonna make Dame happy? A superstar to play alongside him in Portland. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there are a lot of superstars available on the trade market this week. And so I think that if, if, if that trade doesn't happen, those big trades don't happen, it's not the end of the world, not yet. Right. They've got to put themselves in position to be able to make a deal like that that's going to be that impactful. When you mention Ben Simmons, you're not going to get laughed out of the room right. because you've got the surrounding pieces uh, to make a deal like that. Uh, so that's, th- that's where we need to be, and that kind of leads us into question number two is, what do we think the Blazers should do? And there are layers to this, man. Uh, the first part is, you know, Jared, your thoughts on some of the reported Blazers targets, guys that the Blazers have reportedly been looking to acquire in a deal. And you've listed, you know, some of the, the, the I guess, popular names that have been out there. Right. Um, Miles Turner, 
Jeremy Grant, Ben Simmons, Josh Hart. So let's start there, man. And I know you've got a lot to say about this, Jared. So what are your thoughts on these you know, reported Blazers targets? Do any of them stick out to you that could make this team better and is in some ways realistic? Yeah, I mean, I think in a way all of them are realistic. And I think that if you look at this, I mean, the one thing that the the biggest names on the trade market right now outside of Ben Simmons, none of them are superstars. You know, Miles Turner is a, a very good player, but he's not a superstar. Same with Jeremy Grant. Josh Hart is a, a very good role player, but not even a star. But, I mean, I think that those are, are really good pieces that if you can make a trade to bring those guys in, those are the kind of players that would complement Damian Lillard very well. And then if they can then go get another star, another superstar, then they'd have a really good, you know, nucleus um, around Dame. So, I mean, if you look at Miles Turner, Miles Turner, what is appealing about him is he is a seven-foot big man who can stretch the floor. He'd be a, more of a pick-and-pop instead of a pick-and-roll big man to play alongside Dame. He shoots 40% from three. And you know that what um, Chauncey Billups wants to do on defense is, you know, they're going to switch a lot. The, you want your big man to be able to switch out on a, onto the perimeter and then rotate back to the big man, uh, you know, if, if, if they roll. And that's not something that Yusuf Nurkic can do effectively. When the Blazers have been at their most effective on defense with Yusuf Nurkic as their defensive anchor, it's been in, a, in drop coverage. And if you've seen the defense get a little bit better over the past month, it's because they've reverted back to drop coverage because that's what Yusuf Nurkic can do. He doesn't have the lateral foot speed or the athleticism to switch out onto the perimeter and recover. That's just not something he can do. So a player like Miles Turner, he can stretch the floor. You get outside shooting, which is, you know, what you need. But you also have a big man who's one of the best interior interior defenders, you know, leads the league in blocks, but, but can, can also switch out onto the perimeter and is athletic enough to stay with a guard if he has to and then has the lateral foot speed to recover. So he's kind of not the perfect center for, for what the Blazers are looking for, but a very good fit. The problem with Miles Turner is that he has a foot injury. Mm-hmm. And so you do have to be concerned about a seven-foot big man with a you know stress fracture in his foot. You've seen the Blazers go down that road before. You've seen how injuries like that can affect big men. So you do have to wonder about that and about that injury. And then just do the Blazers have the pieces to go out and get a Miles Turner do? Do they have what the Indiana Pacers are looking for? Um, and right now they don't because – think that the Indiana Pacers probably want um, draft picks, which the Blazers don't really have access to right now because their first-round draft picks are wrapped up in this you know, trade they made to bring Larry Nance here. So they don't have draft picks that they can send out right now, at least not in the near future. And so just looking at it straight up, I don't know what kind of deal would, would make sense for them to be able to get Miles Turner. I think they'd have to make other deals to – to get draft picks and then use those draft picks to go get someone like Miles Turner. And is that something you want to do when he has this foot injury? I don't know. Hmm. Jeremy Grant is a good, you know, three or four who, you know, is kind of showed like when he played in, in Denver and OKC, he was a really good three and D player, an excellent defensive wing. Then he went to Detroit because he wanted a larger role, became a 20 point, you know, per game scorer. Um, I think that he has flaws, but I think he's the kind of wing that, that you want to put around Dame because he can be a very, 
very good defender on the wing, and, you know, he can score. He can put the ball on the floor. He can shoot the outside shot. So Jeremy Grant's a nice player. Again, I think that um, to get a player like Jeremy Grant, you're going to need to make other trades to get draft picks so that you can include draft picks in a trade like that. Uh, Josh Hart, I think that that's about the whole New Orleans Pelicans, you know, reported pursuit of C.J. McCollum. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it makes sense for the Pelicans because they want to bring a star player in to kind of entice Zion Williamson to want to stay when he comes back, when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking at a player like C.J. McCollum. But what they can offer, because they're not giving up, you know, their best players, so they can offer a player like Josh Hart, who's a who's a good defensive wing, you know, a strong rebounder, a really good role player, you know, a, a, a good starter. He could certainly start at the at small forward for the Blazers. 6'5", 26 years old, 13.5 points a game, almost eight rebounds, four assists. Yeah, he's he's a very solid player. So you'd get him as kind of the player centerpiece, but that's not enough for a player like C.J. McCollum. I mean, you'd have to match the salary, so you're looking at a player like Thomas Sadaransky, mm-hmm. who has a $10 million expiring contract, maybe a young player like uh, Jackson Hayes or something like that to make the, you know, that would make the salaries match. Then I think if the Blazers are going to make a deal like that, where they're sending out C.J. McCollum, who is still probably the the player who can bring the most return, even though I think his trade value is down, he still is you know their best trade piece. You know, unless they entertain thoughts of trading Anthony Simons, which I don't think they are. I think you need more. So I think if that's if that was going to happen, the Blazers need to be getting like two first round draft picks coming back in mm-hmm. addition to those players, and then. A trade like that, you're bringing in a, a, a piece that you can put next to Damian Lillard and Josh Hart, who's a solid player who, you know, can start for the Blazers and, you know, fills a, and, you know, an, an important role as a wing defender. But then you're also getting those draft picks. You can then use those draft picks to put in a deal for a bigger deal for, for a better player, for a star. And so, you know, if that were to happen, I think that that's the kind of thing where maybe if, if that happened, you might look at it and be like, all they got was Josh Hart, mm-hmm. you know, these, these other players who I don't even know who they are. But if there are draft picks in there, then you have to be looking at, well, the Blazers are playing chess. Mm-hmm. They're acquiring these assets. You know, draft picks are really valuable in trades. And so if they get those, then they can maybe turn that around later. Um, so, I mean, I think any, any of those trades are, are realistic. Any of them could happen. I don't know if they will. And then finally, Ben Simmons. I mean, that's the one we've been talking about for, <laughs> you know, basically the past year. It seems at this point that the 76ers are not interested in C.J. McCollum. Um, you know, they're still going after the biggest fish they can. You know, James Harden, they still have dreams of Damian Lillard. Sorry about my voice. But um, but I don't know. I, I also don't know how much you can believe Daryl Morey right now, mm-hmm. you know, is – I think that he sees Ben Simmons as this is I need to get this trade right as I need to put a player next to Joel Embiid who can, you know, lift us to championship contention. And is CJ McCollum that player? Maybe not. I mean, I think he'd make the 76ers a lot better. But what could happen is if the Blazers are able to make these other trades where they go get draft picks, you Mm -hmm. know, if they trade Yusuf Nurkic, if they trade Robert Covington, if they trade Norman Powell, they get draft picks in that then – you come to the 76ers and you say, we've got C.J. McCollum, but here's also two or three first-round draft picks, then that's the kind of thing that could bring a star back to Portland. And that's what Ben Simmons is. 
I mean, if the Blazers are looking for an available star on the trade market, the only one, the only superstar level player, the only all-star level player has been Simmons. And so I'm not giving up hope that the Simmons trade could happen at some point. It just seems like Daryl Morey is still set on trying to get, you know, an all-NBA level player, a James Harden or something like that. And so I don't know. We'll see. And Morey has openly said this on, you know, his radio shows and stuff like that. Right. Uh, in terms of what he wants in return, and it has to start with that all-star level player, which uh, makes it pretty difficult. And at some point, you just wonder, is that trade really going to be available? Right. And at what point does Daryl Morey accept that and then go with, okay, I'm going to get the most I can? You know, he could also be looking, okay, if I bring in a trade that brings me CJ McCollum, but I also, I get some draft picks. And if a superstar player does come available, then I have extra assets, mm-hmm. draft picks, and that I can then put into a trade to try and get a superstar to Philly. Agreed. These draft picks are so valuable. Yep. And that's why when you look at a deal on the surface and you think, what, we're getting Josh Hart for CJ McCollum? Right. Uh, that's really how you have to view a deal like that is that there is another move to be made. Right. Um, but you need those pieces before you can make that move. So, um, because that was my initial reaction when I first saw um, various reports leaning towards the Pelicans and the interest that they have in CJ, but not being willing to give up Ingram or right. not be willing to give up Zion to to do that, and instead pair CJ with them. You start looking at the rest of the roster and figuring out how you can plug that in. And Josh Hart seems to come up as the most realistic of anyone on that roster. And then you mention all the fillers and other players that you need to get back. And when I look at this list, man, like still the Blazers are in need of the most coveted position in the entire NBA. And they are so shorthanded at that position, which makes them be in such a difficult position. Um, But like, I see a name like Jeremy Grant and I'm like, Oh dude, get this done. Yeah. Because of what he does, like he is so complimentary to Dame and being long and rangy and having the the ability to defend and um, also play on the outside and also get you a bucket if you need him to. And I wonder how that role would be. Would would he need to be ball dependent in order to do that? Is he going to be cool with how Dame operates and the way the Trailblazers play? I don't know. But um, that excites me to have a player like Jeremy Grant. As you mentioned, Miles Turner, obviously injury dealing with the trailblazers, the history there, all of that that goes into it. But also, he's still a big man, and that's not where my priority is. Like, yes, he's super talented, and you try and get him if you can. Yeah. But, like, my focus would be on a player like Jeremy Grant or obviously, like, Ben Simmons is like the grand slam. Right. Like, that's the walk-off if all the stars aligned. Um, But the longer that that, you know, mess goes out there, uh, I don't know how realistic that that becomes until finally Maury just decides to bend on this and take what he can get. But and if, we have no idea when that's gonna and, happen. And we don't. And and I think you're just wasting Joel Embiid's time. Yeah. Like out of out of all of this. That's what everybody except for Daryl Maury right. seems to think. But he it's going to become part of his. You know, it's going to come to his attention when Embiid feels the frustration of getting bounced out of the playoffs. Right. And he's mad. Uh, that they can't go further because they've got an all-star, all-defensive player just sitting there. Yep. And that's when this will all come to, an head, uh, come to a head, and that's more than likely in the off-season 
when hopefully the Blazers are able to load up on and that assets. Might be why they would keep someone like C.J. McCollum and not trade him mm-hmm. is that if you can make enough trades around the edges and get draft picks, mm-hmm. then maybe if 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 that you know trade scenario with Ben Simmons does not happen, where it brings back a superstar player and Daryl Morey decides, okay, I have to move forward with this, then maybe a package with C.J. McCollum and multiple first-round draft picks is the best that the Sixers can do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the other way you could see, like, if you if you think Jeremy Grant is a great fit with the Blazers and a great fit next to Dame, then the way this kind of chess works is maybe the Blazers make that trade with the Pelicans where they bring back Josh Hart, who is a, you know, a legitimate starter at small forward. You know, you bring back uh, a couple first-round draft picks, and then you take those draft picks and Norman Powell and send that to Detroit to bring Jeremy Grant to to the Blazers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that would make sense for Detroit because they're looking for a good guard to pair up with Cade Cunningham. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of chess that you have to be thinking about is, like, if they make this deal, then they can take some of the assets they get in that deal and turn around and make this deal to where now you're looking at, okay, you've got Dame, you've got Ant, you've got, you know, Josh Hart at the three or Nasir Little. Mm-hmm. Maybe Hart comes off the bench. You've got Jeremy Grant at the four. And then you have Nurkic or, you know, another center if they were to go out and get someone like Miles Turner. That's a team that, okay, that's a good team. That's mm-hmm. a team. Maybe it's not a championship contender, but it's the kind of team that if everything goes right, they can get to the Western Conference Finals and who knows, you know, what from there. 2019 is yep. what they're – you know, motivated by for sure. So, Jared, are there any other players that you want to see in Portland? Is there a situation or anything that you want to bring up before we move along to the next part of this? Not really. I mean, I think that the most likely player to be traded is Robert Covington. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's a, a given. And I think that when you're when you're trading Covington, unless he's a piece that is, you know, going into a trade to facilitate a bigger trade that brings back a Ben Simmons or a Jeremy Grant or a Miles Turner, if you're just looking to trade him, then what you need to be looking for is, one, you know they want to duck the tax, so you're going to want to try and bring back a player who makes less money than, than Robert Covington, yet still falls within you know the trade rules. But also, you're looking for that asset. Mm-hmm. So you're looking to get a first-round pick, and maybe Covington doesn't merit a first-round pick at this point, but you hope that you know a, a team is desperate enough where they're like, this is our window, we need a wing defender, Robert Covington is a really solid veteran, and let's just go all in. And so you look at a team like Phoenix, who could really use a Robert Covington. They have Darius Saric, who makes $4 million less than, than Covington. You could, you know, the, the math works on that as far as, like, trade rules. That gets the Blazers under the tax, and then you say, hey, Phoenix, if you want Covington, you need to send us a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. And then you get that pick that's then an asset that you can use later. And so that's what the Blazers need to be looking for in a Covington trade. It's not enough to just go in and, and get under the tax and, and make a deal that just accomplishes that. You need to be bringing back assets that you can then turn around and put into to trades down the line. And I don't think it's a laughable reach to get a first-round pick for Rocco from a team like Phoenix who's probably right. going to have one of the last picks in the first round and anyway, Phoenix, just as a, a could, general idea. Yeah, and they could lottery protect that pick, mm-hmm. and that, that's fine, you know. Um, and so I think that that's a, there's going to be a lot of contenders who I think are going to look at Covington and be like, he's a, a player who could really help us in the playoffs, who could really help us. Um, you know, that's the kind of player that, that contenders want, you know, a 3-and-D wing, and that's what Covington is. You know, as long as you don't 
you know, miscast him as like a, a defensive stopper. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an elite help defender. We've talked about this. But he's – you're going to find contenders that are, are desperate to take advantage of what they consider to be their window right now and are going to be like, yes, the first-round pick is worth it to to take this chance. And so, you know, a team like Phoenix makes perfect sense to me. And, you know, if they made a trade like that, like a player like Dario Saric who's out – the rest of the season because of injury mm-hmm. that helps with if the Blazers are trying to, you know, improve their draft position, <laughs> <laughs> if they're trying to tank, then that helps. Right. Because you know, you're bringing back a player who's not going to play. But then Dario Starch is, he's a good, you know, versatile big who could, he's, you know, under contract next season. He could be, a, you know, a, a rotation player for the Blazers next season. Mm-hmm. And I will, I, I do agree with you in terms of the most realistic player to be moved between now and next week is probably Robert Covington. Yeah. So a lot of Blazers fans are saying that they want to keep Nurk. I'm wondering how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean I I think that so much of that probably is is based on the way he's played over, mm-hmm. you know, since the new year really. Um and I'm just I would be worried about that because how much of this is realistic. I mean Nurkic has been playing really good basketball. But he's also playing more minutes than he's ever played before. His his usage is off the charts. He's they're posting him up like all the time. He's getting everything that he wants. So that <laughs> he's took, happy. You took the words right out of my mouth, man. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. This is what he's what he wanted yeah. at the beginning of the year. We all talked about. And so on the one hand, like it's kind of you know it's 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 out of necessity because they've had all these injuries. But on the other hand, it's also kind of brilliant because you're hoping if they're looking at Nurkic in this way, that this enhances his trade value, which is going to be diminished just because of his injury history, um, because centers aren't that valuable in the NBA right now, unless you're like, you know, an elite center like Joel Embiid. But if you're just kind of a, you know, average starter, then nobody really cares. And nobody, you know, you're not very attractive to other teams. Um, I, I just don't think anything's different with Nurkic. I mean, if you're thinking, okay, he his contract expires this off season, you know, let's sign him to another three or four year deal. Who's to know if in you know if he can hold up? You know, he has injury history. Who's to know if you know if if Phillips wants to play this kind of defense that he wants to play, Nurkic is not the right fit for that defense. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anything has changed with Nurkic. That said, I mean, I don't know if they will trade him at the deadline. I don't know if there's a lot of value, and I don't think you, I don't think you trade Nurkic just to trade him. I mean, I think you want to maximize your return. Um, it is interesting. You've heard from you know Jake Fisher, from Mark Stein, you know, a handful of legitimate NBA reporters that Yusuf Nurkic's name is just not out there, mm-hmm. and they're talking to other executives and stuff. Nobody's talking about Nurkic. His name is not coming up in trade talks, and so it may be that the Blazers are not shopping him right now. Um, but, you know, there are teams out there that need a center right now, you know, multiple teams. And so maybe as the deadline gets here, then maybe one of those teams comes calling. If, you know, if a center that they're going after, if they want a Miles Turner or someone like that, and then he gets traded elsewhere, then they look at Nurkic and see him as more valuable than they were before. And maybe you get the kind of trade you want for him. But I don't think that Nurkic should – be back next season because I don't think he fits what the head coach wants to do and I think that Nurkic is a good player and I you know 
it's not about that. It's mm-hmm. about fit. And it's the same conversation we've had with CJ McCollum. It has nothing to do with how we feel about CJ McCollum. I mean, he's a really cool guy and someone who's absolutely worth rooting for. But we've seen the fit with Dame. We know that it has a ceiling mm-hmm. that they have hit against time and time again. And so I think that ultimately they need to move off of Nurkic and they need to move off of CJ. I just don't know if it's going to happen at the deadline. I think that's fair. It's that's really what it's about is it's a time for change. Um, and it's not like you're trying to ch- trade these players because you don't think they're good. Right. Like these are good players. CJ McCollum, Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic. Um, you can go down the list. Norman Powell, like all the names that are coming up um, have value. Yeah. And it's just finding the right fit with another team as well. That also has something that fits your needs. Right. That becomes very difficult. But there are things to, to like about their contracts. Like, this is it for Nurk. He's on the final year of his deal, roughly $12 million bucks, And the same goes for Robert Covington. I think he's making about 13 Yeah. Um, so, like, those are movable pieces. Yeah. Those are a lot easier to navigate than a C.J. McCollum, who still has a couple years left at $30 million, or Norman Powell, who just signed a new deal, and you're looking at, like, in the 20s. So that's going to be a challenge, but... I'm with you. I, I, it's time. Yeah. Um, it's been time, you know, and I think we probably rode this out to a fault even. No, and for sure. With Damian Lillard's prime window limited, yeah, it's time. You've got to do everything you can in your power to surround him with the guys necessary to compete at the highest level because right now this wasn't, this wasn't enough, as yeah. you mentioned. You know, it's first-round playoff exits. So that's where the where the Trailblazers land with that and w- with Yusuf Nurkic. But that's going to be super fascinating uh, to follow um, even as we get to the end of the regular season to see how they handle that because Nurkic will have the power to shop around as well. Yeah, absolutely. And if, you know, if he gets someone who thinks he's worth $20 million a year or something, are the Blazers going to agree with that? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And one thing that's interesting, you know, maybe you're not seeing Nurkic in, in trade conversations right now, but a lot, I mean, we've got a week until the deadline. Nothing really, really starts to heat up until, mm-hmm. you know, the day before and really the morning of. Right. Um, and where the Blazers are, they're in a, a, a position of, of real strength because they're one of the few sellers, mm-hmm. you know, in the market this, this trade deadline. And so, like, if you look like a, at a player like Yusuf Nurkic, there are only a handful of legitimate starting centers who are available for trade. Mm-hmm. You look at Miles Turner, you look at Yusuf Nurkic, you look at, you know, maybe you look at the Knicks and uh, is it Mitchell Robinson? Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a, a handful of players out there. So there are teams who who need a center. There's, you know, the Charlotte Hornets need a center. You know, you could argue that the Toronto Raptors need a center. Um, and as those teams look at you know, who is out there and who has available centers and who's actually like, you know, a seller in this market. The Blazers are one of the few teams that are sellers but have legitimately good players, legitimate starting players available available for trade. And players like Yusuf Nurkic and Robert Covington who are not on really difficult contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything could happen. I mean, Yusuf Nurkic could become a very, you know, interesting commodity for for teams looking for center help as the the morning of the deadline 
it happens around. so often, Jared, too, where there is a player or players that come out of nowhere that weren't mentioned at all. Right. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, this was the big deal of the day. We didn't see it coming. Right. And it's because of that. And once the first chips fall, then all of a sudden you start to see movement. And so C.J. McCollum might not be at the top of the list, or Yusuf Nurkic might not be at the top of the list for needs with teams, but as those chips fall, all of a sudden, CJ or Yusuf or or Covington, they move up the list, and all of a sudden, it's a team that says, that's the piece that we believe will get us over the top. Here are your draft picks. Right, exactly, and that's when they start to put in enough value that the Blazers are like, okay, we need to move on. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's any shame in being a seller no. Uh, at this point either. So Not in this scenario. I mean, no. the Blazers, the best thing that they can do, and I think the front office understands this, is get as high of a draft pick as they can mm -hmm. this summer, either to draft a really good young player or to use that you know, really high draft pick to go out and get a star player mm -hmm. in trade. And so you are a seller because you have these players who are keeping the Blazers just a little bit too good to really – you know, lose enough games to get a top five pick. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic, CJ McCollum, they all become expendable, Norm mm -hmm. Powell. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens. All right, Jared, what do you think that the Blazers will do? You've got this broken down into, you know, <laughs> our bold prediction, our sad, pre depressing prediction, <laughs> <laughs> and the realistic uh, prediction, Jared. All right, so my bold prediction is that all four players who – are you know kind of on the market who are the the most valuable trade pieces available trade pieces for the Blazers get moved mm -hmm. that you move Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic, CJ McCollum and Norman Powell and you bring back a Ben Simmons, you know, a Miles Turner, a Jeremy Grant, you know, you bring back players like that who that's kind of going to have a chance of spoiling the the tank mm -hmm. but you're also building you're getting those pieces that Dame needs next season to contend the way he wants to. I think that's the the bold, you know, kind of pie in the sky, <laughs> you know, hoping for the best prediction. Yours yours kind of uh punks mine a little bit because I was what I was going to say is that the Blazers uh trade away two starters over the next week. Yeah. Uh, but yours is like the we are going for it like right now, no time to waste. Like let's do this. Uh so I like your bold prediction. That's going to be fun. I think that my bold prediction is that Ben Simmons is, ends up in Portland at the <laughs> deadline. That, that, that's a heck of hef, – okay. That so, is not my realistic prediction <laughs> at all. All right, so let's flip the script real quick. What's your depressing prediction? Um, that they trade Robert Covington only in a deal that gets them under the tax but does not bring back any draft assets or maybe like only brings back a second-round pick. My depressing is they do nothing. Nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Just to they do nothing at all, and then <laughs> and then they they make the play in. <laughs> oh man, Blazers Twitter. I'm looking forward to looking forward to you in a week if if that's the case. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's gonna be some dark days ahead if that happens. And what's your realistic prediction, man? Um, I think that realistically, I think they will make a Covington trade that gets them under the tax, but also gets them a first round pick. I think that ultimately. Uh, they are going to get a first-round pick for Covington. And I think that one of CJ or Norm will be gone at the deadline as well. Mm. And um, what they bring back in that trade will be interesting to see. But I think that 
Nurkic will still be around after the deadline, and I think that um, I don't think they're both gone at the deadline, but I think one of CJ or Norm will go. Realistic prediction: Robert Covington is out. Yeah. CJ, I think will be here. I think it's going to be. I think there's too much involved. Yeah. And he probably has a little more value when we get to the off season. Um, Norman Powell is is an interesting situation uh, because he's got a ton of value in in what he does on the court. And I think he. I don't think he wants to be here mm. either. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I, we didn't really even take into account um, that whole side of things in terms of you know what what how you feel guys might think. Yeah, with going somewhere else or playing for a contender or wanting a different role, like all of that comes into play. And I think one player I think of a lot is Yusuf Nurkic because he's got a ton of loyalty to Dame. Yeah. And I think that comes from just the trust. They've built a bond that um, clearly Nurk values and I think will be in serious consideration if he makes it to the end of the year and has a decision to make on, do I come back for the same or less money uh, versus going somewhere else and making a little bit more money? Uh, Because there's, I mean... $12 $12 million is $12 million. Like yeah. the, the amount of mo- what you can do with that money to set up your family, um, you know, future generations, like help everybody back home. Like I'm sure he'll be in a, it'll be, he'll be torn with something like that because Nurk has brought this up about Dame a few times. I think yeah. even in Jason Quick's story yeah. uh, with, well, if Dame's going to be here, then. And the Blazers want to win. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, there's all of that, too, that I don't think we'll ever really know the truth unless we're a fly on the wall and <laughs> we hear one of these guys say, all right, I really want out of Portland, yeah. you know? Um, but, yeah, there's there's no question that what they've done just isn't good enough to win a championship. No. The, the way the roster is now, not it's just close. It's not going to happen. So, I mean, I think a realistic prediction is the most important one. The other ones are just kind of silly. Mm-hmm. So your real- realistic prediction is is just the Covington trade? Just the Covington trade, yeah. Um, and I think it will be Covington plus one of Norm or CJ. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be huge. Yeah. I think that would go back to our first question, and is that would answer the question of whether or not Cronin is Neil O'Shea 2.0 or not. Yeah. And being able to move off of one of those two guys in a, in, you know, in a week's time. Yeah, I think that would answer that, in my opinion. And I think if Ben Simmons gets traded and not to Portland, mm-hmm. then I think that C.J. McCollum also gets traded. Interesting. So you think they're probably holding out to see how Philly Ben Simmons things. is the superstar that's available, mm-hmm. and he's the superstar that Damian Lillard has reportedly said he wants to play with. Mm. And, I mean, I, I still think that C.J. McCollum, for all his flaws, his age, his his contract, I still think he's – the best player they have to trade. Mm-hmm. And I still think that even with the emergence of Tyrese Maxey and how well Seth Curry has played in, in Philly this year, I think that CJ McCollum would be an excellent fit with Joel Embiid right. in Philly. Oh, yeah. I'm not downplaying how good CJ is. I've yeah. I've been a, a big CJ supporter. Been a believer, yeah. You know, so um, I see that. I'm just jaded by the way that this organization has, has been ran. Oh, over the past are. few years, that as soon as I hear that, I'm like, oh hell no, yeah. that's there's it's not happening. You're not getting Simmons here, but 
there are paths. And like you said, there are realistic avenues to get there. I mean, the reporting is that at one point, the 76ers asked for CJ McCollum and <laughs> three first-round picks mm-hmm. and three pick swaps. I mean, maybe Tyrese Maxey's emergence makes it so that they're not interested in someone like CJ McCollum again. That could be true. But it's also realistic that they could come back to that when it becomes apparent to Daryl Morey that he's not getting a superstar. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, maybe they get James Harden. Maybe that happens. Oh, man. Well, yeah. here we go. <laughs> February 10th, NBA trade deadline. It's about to go down. And Jared, uh, you wanted to make sure to give a shout out to somebody. Yeah, Mike in Japan, one of our loyal listeners. What is up, Mike? <laughs> he reached out um, and he said, in the next pod, fingers crossed, I'd be interested about prospects of re-signing Nurk, Rocco, and Ant, as well as surprise role players Benny B and, <laughs> and Watford, heck, even Ellaby. Any chance Powell could be an attractive trade ship? And I think we've covered most of these questions. I mean, I <clears throat> I think that they absolutely could re-sign Nurkic. I don't think they should. They could re-sign Rocco. I don't think there's any chance that will happen. I think it's almost certain that they will re-sign Anthony Simons. I think that he's made himself, with the way he's played this season, um, he's almost untouchable. Um, you know, Watford, Ellaby, Benny B. <laughs> um, I think Benny B is getting traded. Mm. Um, and, yeah, Powell is an attractive trade chip. I mean, it's, his contract is a little bit long, mm-hmm. you know, a five-year uh, contract, but – he makes, you know, just starter money, like mm-hmm. $19 million a year. And I, it's even less right now. It's like $15 million this season. He's a starter he's championship a, he's pedigree. A really good Reliable. Player. Yeah. So I think he's in a very, I think he's a very attractive chip. So do I. Yeah. So good question, Mike. I hope that we covered all of that stuff for you. I appreciate you, Mike. Um, and shout out to, I, I've had a couple of people uh, reach out to me, and I wish I would have brought up your names, but we are back the podcast didn't go anywhere. The end of the year was pretty hectic and crazy. Yeah. Um, it, we, had, it was, we just had some things get in the way. <laughs> yeah. You it's know, like real life here. stuff was getting in the way. Our schedules have, have been hectic. So, um, you know, we definitely wanted to do one, do a good one. And when Jared brought up this topic, I was like, man, this is the perfect way to bring back the podcast after being gone for a little while. Uh, because this is always such a good one that interests yeah. so many people. Um, as you mentioned off the off the top of the podcast man so it it is so good to be back and um doing this podcast because we love doing it yep we do we appreciate you thank you so much for rocking with the pod make sure to let everyone know about it it helps the podcast continue to grow appreciate you until the next one take care y'all